What is up, everybody? This is Alex, and you are listening to the American Toffee Podcast, serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Today, I'd like to go into a post-match review. Um, Everton lost 1-0 to Watford away at Vicarage Road yesterday, Saturday. So I'd like to talk about some stats, um, a couple of pretty alarming stats, actually. Um, I'd like to talk about how the players did individually, and then I have some final thoughts and a couple things I noticed. Um, so going into stats, if you haven't seen, if you didn't catch the match, um, or if you did and you didn't really check out the stats, I, I always think that looking at the stats um, tells a story, whether it's um, truthful or not is, is, you know, another bit. But Everton had 46% possession away at Watford. Um, I don't know that that's too indicative of, of um, you know, what we, what we did compared to what we should be doing. Um, if you ask me, being a fan through the Martinez um, era, I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's far fetched to think that we should be, we could go away to Watford and and have the lion's share of possession. Um, but I don't think that that's really the biggest issue. But here, here's here's the main main statistics portion that I wanted to talk about were shots, shots and shots on target, right? So yesterday, Everton had seven seven shots. Two on target. Watford had, I want to say, four or five on target. Um, but here, here's the statistics on shots and, and chances created, right, since Allardyce took over 14 matches ago. So Everton have been outshot by opponents in 11 of the 14 matches under Allardyce. Everton have the fewest shots of any side in the league throughout those 14 matches in total. And here's the kicker, right? Everton have created the least amount of chances in league via open play in those 14 matches under Allardyce, which is mind-blowing to me. You look at our squad on paper, right? And we are 100%, you know, I'd say on paper, um, I would say we are definitely 6th or 7th in the league, right? Again, that's on paper. Um, that's not talking about... Um, you know, younger players developing and playing a bigger role than expected, uh, or other teams like, I'd say, Liverpool, um, maybe Spurs, you know, underperforming and, and kind of bumping us up to fifth or sixth. But on paper, I'd say we're, we are comfortably sixth or seventh, and there's a big gap in terms of, of talent between us and even the likes of Leicester and Burnley and Watford. I think Watford are definitely underperforming as well. But looking at those statistics, right, is extremely alarming. I, I Honestly, it's been very poor since Allardyce came. No doubt about it. Well, it's been poor all season. But still, I, I really don't think that he did a whole lot since he's come um, in terms of elevating us. Um, but... I'm still honestly surprised by those statistics. I'm still surprised that we've had the fewest shots of any side. I'm also still surprised that we've created the least amount of chances in the league via open play in those 14 matches. Honestly. I'm not so surprised by the being outshot by the opponents in most, but that, that just blows my mind. I don't know. You know, and and this kind of brings me back to a very uh, a very ironic quote from Sam Allardyce in, in a conf press conference a couple weeks ago, maybe nearing almost a month now. 
where he was talking about how he needed to play more boring. Well, I think he's achieved it. I think uh, I think he has has gotten what he said he wanted to do, and it's still not working. So he needs to figure it out. Um, at this point, it's it's just uh, you know, as fans survive for the next two months and and hope for. Um, a new manager, one, which I think is all but guaranteed. Um, and two, a manager with um, a nice attacking style, but maybe not as as uh, um, defensively damaging as, as Martinez's was. Although, again, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people on Reddit, and myself included, talking about how they, they almost missed the Martinez era just because of the fact that, you know, although leaked quite a bit of goals, didn't turn out how we wanted... Um, I think that I think that one his man management was a lot better than uh, managers since. But two, you know, I think I, I read this earlier today, and someone said that although we didn't win every match and we lost some in very poor fashion, there was always that air of unpredictability about Everton. Um, really exciting play um, with Martinez that we haven't really seen since, and I really agree with that. I think that really resonates with me. So I really hope that uh, maybe we can get a nice, a nice, uh, um, a healthy middle between maybe Martinez's style of straight up open attacking possession based play and someone like uh, Ronald Koeman who, uh, who was who is definitely more defensive minded comparatively. So going into the players and how how everyone performed yesterday, which. I'm sure if you saw the match, you know what I'm going to say. If you didn't see the match, uh, you can probably guess where I'm going with it as far as uh, the consistency and and uh, how how the team performed overall. But starting at the back, uh, Jordan Pickford was okay. He had one bad clearance. He cleared it right into Deeney, Troy Deeney, um, but he was able to recover okay. Um, I think, and, and again, maybe this is just kind of a biased thought process, but it, it almost felt like there were quite a few um, back passes or situations in which he had to come off his line for compared to past games. Um, the whole match in general just felt nervy um, between both sides, to be honest. Neither one really like took the match by the scruff of the neck, and neither one looked good, to be honest. Watford nor Everton looked good, um, but that's you know that's that's a, a discussion for a little bit later. I thought both Everton fullbacks were poor. Um, Cuco Martina got pretty much worked by De La Feu until he came off. Um, I think Jerry had him. Obviously, Jerry had him beat for pace, like most. But um, I just don't think that he knew how to how to defend against someone so so quick. But as we all know, De La Feu has really fantastic um, feet and and close ball control. Um, and he, he definitely has one of those quote unquote footballing brains, and so you saw a lot of a lot of pretty good footwork again through whatever it was maybe the 55th minute if I remember correctly before he was taken off with some type of slight injury. Um, he was definitely the best performer on the pitch I think. Um, De La Feu that is. And then on the other side, John Joe Kenny, honestly after seeing Coleman back um, for some minutes recently, it kind of. Um, I, th I think it, it makes me judge John Joe Kenny a little bit harder in terms of his performances. You know, I know 
a lot of us have been impressed with how he's deputized. I really have. In general, I really have. Um, but yesterday, in specific, or specifically, from what I can remember, he made very, very few tackles. Um, I know they did They did focus the le- or the uh, our left-hand side um, for a good portion of the match, but he made very few tackles even when the ball came over, over to his side. And furthermore, uh, most of his balls forward were just really poor. Um, I know specifically, I remember, and this is this actually seems to be a trend from what I'm seeing. Uh, he'll try to boot the ball up, kind of, um, kind of like slightly diagonal to the center forward, and it all he always overhits it straight to the goalkeeper. Always, I can recall. I want to say at least one time a match, almost every match he plays. Now I appreciate the effort and I appreciate the thought process because, you know, that type of play especially from your fullbacks or or someone maybe like in a defensive midfielder, that type of ball is what, you know, can really create that one chance that wins you the match, you know? Um, so I, I definitely appreciate the effort, but it's just not there. The, the, uh, the quality is not there. So going into the center backs, I thought Michael Keane was very, very good, barring what happened with the goal. So Troy Deeney, um, ball comes in, Troy Deeney settles it, turns on Williams and gets the shot off, right? But if you're paying attention to Michael Keane's um, positioning, he notices he notices within, you know, maybe two or three, maybe I'd say two seconds um, before Troy Deeney gets the shot off that he needs to help, right? Especially on the turn. And what he decides consciously to do is instead of attack the ball, like we saw all of, all of the defenders doing, very well throughout the match, in my opinion, they were very well organized, and they were attacking every every uh, every Watford attacker, especially on the edge of the box. Um, instead of attacking the ball, attacking Deeney with the ball, he decided he was going to sit back two or three yards, maybe four yards, and just try to block it. And I think it's stupid. I think um, I want to say I saw or heard that Sam Allardyce mentioned that Keane gave him way too much space, and I agree, but. That's just, that doesn't, that doesn't, I don't understand. Now, again, we all know Michael Keane in terms of being a central defender is, is still pretty young, right? I think he's 24, 25, maybe he turned 25 this season. Um, and so mistakes are going to happen, right? And as we all know, on defense, mistakes are much more apparent than they are on offense, right? You know, uh, Walcott could dribble up and lose the ball three times, and he's praised for being direct. Whereas Michael Keane makes one split second, split second decision to not attack the ball and try to block it, and all of a sudden, you know, he's he's you know, we are one nil down and he's criticized for it. But again, barring the goal, what he did there, his decision, um, I thought he was really good. He honestly did kind of dominate, and again, that's that's against a very a very physical player in in Troy Deeney. So props to him. Um, Williams was okay. I thought physically it was a very strong display. I really did think that both center backs put up a good physical presence against um, Troy Deeney and, and Okaka. Um, but again, he was covering, or he was he was the one covering uh, Troy Deeney. Got turned on and and let the shot off. So although he was, he did push him away from goal. It just can't really give him too good of a mark there. So moving into the midfield. In my opinion, um, 
and some of you may not agree with me, Ghana was the best Everton player on the pitch by far. I can't count the numerous times that he made a tackle in midfield. He was high energy per, per usual, but the passion was there, um, which I don't think we can ever fault Ghana for, for lack of passion or energy or um, enthusiasm. But I think he put in quite a few tackles um, yesterday, even, even, even to his standard, which... Again, if I'm not mistaken, since he joined Everton last season, he's had the most in the Premier League. Um, but what I will say was, you know, and how the match turned out, if you paid very close attention, Watford um, employed a very a very high-pressing game, and it worked out for him. You saw them win the ball high up the pitch quite often, um, and it saw, um, it saw Ghana isolated quite a bit. Um, because what you know, what's going to happen is Rooney is shifting kind of forward, finding a little bit of space on the left as Sigurdsson's moving around in a fluid motion, and Davies is obviously pushing way high up as an outlet. And so when Ghana is pressured on either side by a couple players, he really he had you know he had to wait two or three seconds until Davies or, or Rooney tracked back and kind of found some space or opened up a passing lane for him. And we saw that, I think, only once, from what I remember, um, him giving the ball away because he had no options. But, again, not really Ghana's fault. That that more comes down to um, Rooney and Davies, more specifically Rooney since he was playing more of a deep-lying position, central midfield position, um, needing to adapt to how Watford was playing their tactics, and he didn't. So that is one one note that I, I, I saw and I remember thinking about uh, yesterday for sure. Uh, Tom Davies was also very good. I think he was he was one of the other um, pretty notably decent Everton players yesterday. High energy per usual. He helped press a lot, um, and you know, got he Gata was able to find him um, quite a few times to help kind of uh, release some pressure from um, our defensive third and. Per usual, you know, he, he helps distribute a lot higher up the pitch. So he was he was pretty good. Now Rooney, on the other hand, he was he was poor. I think that was one of the worst games I've seen him play uh, this season, to be honest. Um, he did have a couple nice di- diagonal balls to Theo Walcott later in the match, but otherwise he's pretty off the pace. I mean, he had some he had some pretty lazy like sloppy short passes when he you know trying to pass it back to Ghana, and again. Part of that deals with the high press from Watford, but they're not the first. They're not the first team to employ a high press on Everton. I think everyone knows by now that Everton kind of fall apart when they're pressed. Um, you know, it's not like the Martinez days where we would kind of play to a lower opposition because they'd pack it down and we just couldn't break through. This is, you know, this season I think we've seen a lot more of the teams employ a high press. Because of the fact that you know they know we're nervy and we don't have we don't have center backs that are going to play the ball at the back like we used to have Stones and I know Funes Mori, um, although not the best, he hasn't been here and he he usually is pretty decent with the ball at his feet. So moving to the front line, um, Nias was poor. Again, I've said it many times, but he just doesn't have the technical ability to be a starting striker in the league. Um, at least, at least for a top half team, in my opinion, um, the passing his passing was not good. Um, I mean, he he always displays great energy, 
and good strength, honestly, for his size. He's he's pretty strong for his size. I think physically he's definitely fit for the league. He's also pretty quick, too. I think he's quicker than people give him credit for. But his technical technical ability, again, his passing is just not there. And if you're if you're using him the way that, that Everton are, right, which is more so of a center forward holding the ball up, helping bring the wingers and, and your midfielders into into the play, um, that's just not his style. That's not that's just not it. Um, I I do think that it would have been too harsh to drop him um, for the match yesterday because he's been in good form regardless, right? Regardless of technical ability, blah, 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 blah. He's been finding the back of the net this season, um, and especially in big moments. So I do think it would have been a little harsh to drop him um, for this last match, although I, I do, you know, I'm always screaming for Tozun to start, but... I don't know that that should be the case next week, especially at Burnley. Theo Walcott was okay. Um, he had, you know, he he had a lot of good pace, um, good energy. He looked confident on the ball, which is more than you can say for uh, most Everton players currently. Um, but I will say, and again, this this piggybacks off of my thoughts on John Joe Kenny, but he needs Seamus Coleman back. Um, you know, I. I've heard people say it before, but the sign of a good player is not necessarily how they perform, but it's how they affect their teammates' performances. And Seamus Coleman, when he came back, um, you know, he made he made Theo Walcott ten times a better player. He really did. He offers more pace than John Joe Kenny. His passing and their link-up play together was uh, impeccable. And so I really think that Walcott needs Coleman to come back. Um if I'm not mistaken, his best performances were with Seamus Coleman playing. Um, and again, it's just it's just night and day. But I really I'm really excited to see those two playing together for the next couple years because I think it's going to pay dividends for Everton. Um, lastly, for the starting eleven, Sigurdsson was okay, but he definitely needs to be playing centrally. Um, I know he's listed on the left, and he really pretty much does kind of um, pinch in and and. and find space where he can, especially with the help of Davies kind of occupying a little bit of more space higher up the pitch. But the issue is he's wasted on the left because out of possession, he has to track back to help Martina defend. And why in the world would you have your most creative player, barring Rooney, right? But I still think Sigurdsson's better currently. Why would you have him defending in the final in in your defensive third you know however many yards back because when you when you when you get the ball back what are you going to do what are you going to do you need to have Sigurdsson further up the pitch not defending on the left with Martina because again the left side defense has been a dumpster fire in itself without Baines um he's just wasted how are you going to transition the ball forward how um, so that, that's kind of my gripes. Again, can I really offer you a better solution this season? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. The biggest thing I think stopping it is the fact that it feels like we need to start Rooney and Sigurdsson. And I think I, I agree with that thought process as well. I think we do because even when Rooney and Sigurdsson are both playing... Through the you know through the last fourteen matches Allardyce has been here, we've created the least amount of chances in open play. So I really, I really don't know that I could offer you um, any other option other than to say start Davies and Ghana 
further back, put Sigurdsson at the number 10, and start Balassi on the left. Um, again, that drops Rooney. And, and after yesterday's performance, I think that actually should be the case, but we'll see. Now to the substitutes, uh, Tozun, again, I'm pretty biased. Um, I'm a fan from what I've seen specifically. Um, his technical ability compared to Nias, but he, he just looks far better, right? Um, I think he has a stronger shot. He has better technical ability, hold-up play. He's definitely stronger, although, again, I do think Nias has, is pretty strong, especially for his size. He can deal with physicality, but I think overall Tosin's a much better player. Um, he just has to, he just has to um, figure out how to link up with his teammates a little better. I remember specifically... Rooney had the ball, and he was looking for Tozun to make a run to the left, and Tozun never did. And I remember Rooney kind of signaling to him, like, why didn't you make the run? Um, but that, that just comes with with more time with his teammates. And Balassi honestly looked terrible. Balassi looked like you took a League One player with, with physical ability, pace, and size, and you threw him out in the Premier League for the first time. I'm not kidding. In my opinion... He looked that bad. Um, he had some poor touches. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember him. Uh, and again, I think he was only on the pitch for 15 minutes. But still, it was it was notably bad. Um, I think he had poor passes. His touches weren't very good. Um, so I I don't know. I don't know why he looked so poor. I think that was probably the poorest I've ever seen him. Period. Um, and then Calvert-Lewin really didn't see any of the ball um, to, you know, judge anything. Um, but I, I, if you were watching the match, you saw when he was being substituted on, he lifted it up to shirt. It looked, looked like he had a 32-pack almost. That was insane. Um, kind of a, a tidbit. But I remember I saw on Reddit earlier someone, or yesterday, someone made a thread just on the fact that he was so uh, so built. I thought that was pretty funny. But overall, um, that kind of wraps up what I thought on individual performances and, and as a whole. Um, I'd just like to offer some final thoughts and, uh, I guess, comments.